0: This morning's Scripture. We are studying the theme of covenant, and this is one of those um, this is one of those ways in which you can read both the Hebrew Scriptures and the New Testament Scriptures and see a connection. If you just were to pick up um, the Bible and start reading in Genesis, the stories and the narratives are intriguing. But as you start to get into the Law. And the Decalogue, what they call the Book of the Covenant, Exodus. Uh, it moves from story to to law, and then Numbers and Leviticus. Leviticus is a holiness code of how to live out those laws, and and you can easily get lost and begin to think I'm done, um, and 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 not keep reading because the story seems to have. Faded and, and everything seems to be law now. But the whole idea of God forming a covenant relationship with Israel is carried forward all the way into its fulfillment in Christ. And so, in that way, that thread, that narrative thread, is what connects those, those um, two testaments of what God is doing, the God who acts in history to reveal his nature and to call a people that he might use for a specific purpose of reaching the world and reconciling and redeeming and renewing the world, restoring it back to relationship with himself as its creator. All of that is carried in this concept of of covenant which we're preaching about this fall. And so the book of Deuteronomy is sort of a recasting of that narrative uh, and that story. Uh, so we'll, we'll get a few glimpses of that and the fact that, that it has, a, has a, rep- a repetitive theme. And that's what today's sermon is going to be about, is that idea of how do we recite this covenant so it becomes part of us. And I'm going to look at it back then, and then the implications for us today. And we'll catch that when we go to Ephesians, the passage from Ephesians that will be read. You'll see how Paul connects the fact that we have become a new Israel, and God calls us into relationship with one another, and so therefore how we respond to one another in covenant relationship makes all the difference of whether God's will is being revealed and worked out in us and through us. So let us hear the word of God.
1: Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God. My father was a wandering Araman, man, and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer subjecting us to harsh labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with great terror and signs and wonders. You have declared this day that the Lord is your God, and that you will walk in obedience to him, that you will keep his decrees, commands, and laws, and that you will listen to him. The Lord has declared this day that you are his people, his treasured possession, as he promised, and that you are to keep all his commands. He has declared that he will set you in praise, fame, and honor high above all the nations he has made and that you will be a people holy to the Lord your God as he promised. To the Christians at Ephesus, the Apostle Paul wrote, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient and through all and in all. The word of the Lord.
0: This past week, I had to replace my mobile phone. Um, I had a generation, if you keep track of the numbers on phones, I was a four, and now they're up to 10 and 11, depending on what product you buy. So it was time. I had tried in every way. I'd replaced the battery three times. I was in the midst of a phone call, and the phone went black, and, and that was it. It was dead. The process of buying a new phone included me signing a 12-page legal document with my telephone carrier. Thank goodness the salesperson knew everything that it said and just summarized it for me, so I didn't have to read word for word. And, and you can always trust your salesperson to know what's in your best interest. I signed at least three lines and initialed another four, always asking, now what's this for? And as soon as he told me, I said, okay, good, we're good. I hope I'm good. <laughs> in so doing, I've entered into a contract, an agreement with terms, stipulations, and privileges enter into a loan agreement or a service contract of any kind whether it's for housing or a vehicle or construction job and you're presented with terms and stipulations of a contract the purpose of these contracts and agreements are to minimize liability and risk while clarifying who's responsible for what such agreements may be necessary for certain business partnerships but Most relationships are not so defined. We do not use a contract to define the relationships with people we are related to by birth. (laughs) Maybe we should. um, Or with people with whom we choose to relate to as friends. The emphasis of this sermon series describes a different kind of a relational bond altogether a covenant relationship that binds one person or a group to another with promises and privileges and obligations. This covenant relationship is the kind of bond that God formed with the people of Israel. It is the same bond that Jesus formed with each of us as his followers. And as a result, it is the kind of bond we have entered into with one another, whether we realize it or not. The kind of relationship that says, you may fail me, but I'm not leaving. You may hurt me, but I'm not going to give up. You may, well, that's enough. You get the idea. Those kind of relationships don't exist in today's world very much. Everything is about um, meeting our needs and getting our wants and our desires and having things work for us. But a covenant says the relationship has priority. And the whole business of words in the Bible, like righteousness, we always think have these lofty theological uh, meaning. But the truth of it is, the word righteousness simply means doing what is right in a relationship. What does the relationship call for? Does it call for forgiveness? Does it call for grace? Does it call for support? It, it is all framed and, and um, constructed around this concept of covenant. This biblical idea parallels an ancient Near East practice of treaties and agreements between two groups usually a dominant party or nation known as the suzerain, and a lesser one known as the vassal. Israel's covenant law follows closely this pattern of what began as the Hittite-Suzerain Treaty with its six features. This part just, you don't have to concentrate on, I'll tell you when to pay attention, just kind (laughs) of... You're, you're thinking, oh, wow, we're back in school. Six features. First was the preamble in which the parties are identified with emphasis given to the greatness of the, of the king or the dominant party. Next, you can tell who writes the treaty, by the way. Next came a prologue which lists historical events or deeds performed by this sovereign or suzerain for the benefit of the vassal. In other words... Um, The vassal is privileged to be in relationship because the suzerain has made it possible. And next came a prologue which lists historic, oh, I just said that. The purpose of this prologue was to show that the more powerful party was merciful and giving and therefore the vassal agrees to obey for the benefits received in the past without any... um, Merit or deserving of such benefits. And then thirdly, the terms to be upheld by the vassal are presented as stipulations. Fourth feature was an annual public reading or reciting of the treaty. That's going to be important for this sermon. It provided for renewal of the agreement, reiteration of its expectations, and increased respect for the sovereign or the king. Then came a description of blessings if the stipulations are upheld, and curses, if they are not. And then finally, the treaty was concluded with a shared sacrificial meal by both parties. Throughout this series, we will, sh- we will see how God's covenant with Israel and his followers, and with us, Jesus' followers, um, has, a, has some distinctives of this pattern. Of this treaty. For example, Kent introduced our series by pointing out the prologue of God's covenant with Israel is based in God's saving acts of grace done for the benefit of Israel, but also done to reveal God's nature and God's character that God is gracious and loving and life giving. By comparison to this suzerainty treaty, the covenant relationship God forms is personal. It's not done for political purposes, but for relationship. Even more startling is the fact that in the suzerainty treaty, the king or dominant party allows the lesser party to form a bond of future obedience. Who, who wouldn't want that, right? Um, who wouldn't want at a marriage, to say, oh, okay, you'll be my servant from now on. Uh, I can go along with that. But that's not what marriage is. Marriage is a mutual covenant of giving and receiving and mutual serving and subservience, mutual. The startling thing, by contrast, is not only is the lesser Israel bound by the covenant... But God also chooses to bind himself with Israel. No no powerful group or king would do such a thing. It's always the lesser serving the greater. But in this case, God serves Israel. So Moses reminds the people, You've declared this day that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in obedience to him. That you will keep his decrees and commands and laws and that you will listen to him. And the Lord has declared, this is the stunning part. The Lord has declared this day that you are his people, his treasured possession. He will set you in praise, fame, and honor high above the nations he has made. And that you will be a people holy to the Lord your God as he promised You hear that? God's binding himself to Israel. That relationship is is important. He's not going to leave them. He's not going to forsake them, even when they do him. The other distinct element about the covenant is that it's steeped in story. The law always follows this narrative story of two related themes. The exodus forever connects Israel's identity as a people with a sense of belonging to God, and their settling into the land forever connects them with a sense of place and fulfillment of God's promise. The story is repeated and retold over and over. You can't read the Hebrew Scriptures without hearing this theme be repeated My father was a wandering Aramean. The first time I ever had to read this passage publicly, um, I got up and started and said, My father was a wandering Armenian. And unfortunately, no one would have known the difference except I started laughing, and then people started laughing, and then I had to explain why it was funny, um, which is never a good thing. But now I know it's an Aramean, and now you know. What the difference between an Aramean and an Armenian, right? I'll let you work on that. But the story goes down to Exodus, now down to Egypt, um, and there becomes subjected to oppression, treated as slaves. But God hears the cry. And sends Moses as the deliverer. And, and becomes, so this people who are weak, who are nothing in the, among the nations, not even a nation themselves, until God calls them into being. And says, through you, I want to reach the world. Like the suzerain annual public reading or reciting of the treaty, the Israelites made a regular practice of reciting the covenant. I want to make two observations of the value of this practice, and then um, uh, this practice back then, and then why it's important for us to follow suit as well. It's amazing to me that... um, That our society doesn't allow for a lot of of rehearsal and recital of things. The repetition of things. It's like we easily get bored or say, oh, that's too rote, I don't want to do that. And yet, it's that recital, it's that remembering that gives life meaning and significance and anchors us. When families get together, what do we do? We tell stories. We tell stories of who we are and how we have shared life together in the past. Katie's brother was with his friend in the backseat of the car and they were talking and he turns to his mom and says, mom, what was that funny thing I said yesterday? And that's what parents are supposed to be, is the people who remember the stories, who tell the stories until the next generation can pass it on. Reciting the covenant with its privileges and obligations helped Israel remember who they were and how their identity and calling defined them. God chose a people through whom he would accomplish his purposes. And like them, it helps us realize what to say no to in order that we might be ready and able to say yes to what matters most. In today's world, there are so many choices, so many things competing for our attention and our focus that we easily give in and say yes to the point that when God calls us or speaks to us, we have no time, no energy, nothing left to offer. Samantha Powers won a Pulitzer Prize as a war correspondent and served as the former United States ambassador to the United Nations during the Obama administration. She's written a memoir titled, The Education of an Idealist. And she's kind of been on a book tour, and in one of the interviews, I haven't read her book, but in one of the interviews I heard her relate this story of, um, of what it was like to to fulfill a demanding public service role while being a spouse and a mother, keeping those roles clear and and being able to pay attention to each of them in the right perspective. She relates a time when she was at home and on the phone with the Secretary General of the United Nations regarding a national security matter. So pretty high-level stuff. And her young son comes up to her, And is trying to get her attention because he wants to know the score of the Washington Nationals baseball game. And she's trying to divert his attention so that she can concentrate on her phone call. And finally, out of frustration, she noticed that he walks away in a huff and says, Putin, Putin, Putin. When is it ever going to be Declan, Declan, Declan around here? And I love that story because you all know what that's like when you're trying to concentrate on something that you think is important and yet the most important person in your life is asking something of you. And it may be trivial, but the relationship means you're you're going to pursue that person. You're not going to let that one little episode interfere with that relationship. I'd love to hear the rest of the story when she goes and, and takes him into her arms and says, there's going to be times when I can't answer your question, but I want you to know nothing comes before you. Nothing's more important than you are in my life. The importance of Israel being faithful to "...to the covenant was the means by which God was going to use them to be the light to the Gentiles." And now, you want to see the connection? Look at how John opens up his his gospel by saying, "...there's a light coming into the world, and that light gives life to all." Do you see now this, this theme that and why it's so very important to understand uh, Hebrew scriptures and to read the context so that when you read something in the New Testament, you go, look at that. This is the one. As soon as you start reading the, the gospel of John, if you know Israel's history, your heart starts beating, starts pounding. In the same way our being united in the body of Christ, serves as a witness to the world and a sign of God's redemption, God's renewal, God's rule of this world. It depends on who we are, what our relationships are like, the sense of giving a a sense of hope and purpose for the world. So Paul says emphatically, how you treat one another matters, not just because whether you get along or not, whether we can, can show the world that the new Israel is indeed something that God's in it. That God's message is being proclaimed and delivered. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another. That is a covenant word. Hang in there. Don't give up. Don't let something petty ruin your your connection and your relationship with one another. Make every effort to keep the unity of God's spirit through the bond, the covenant, God has established in peace. The second observation, and I'll conclude with this one, is that the frequency was more than annual, more than monthly, It was a daily sense of being made aware of Israel's relationship with God. These commandments are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. If you know anything about Israel practice or Judaism and the practice the decorated holders mounted on a Jewish doorpost is known as a mezuzah. It's a it's a, it's just a, a little cylinder kind of thing and inside it is a parchment of paper. It usually contains the Shema, the Hebrew word for here. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Hear O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. As someone crosses the threshold, it is custom to reach up and touch it, or to kiss your hand and touch it. And in this way, you're committing to carry the Lord's instruction. That's what the Torah is. It's God's instruction to His people. To carry it with them wherever they go. The Shema is recited at the start of every Shabbat, every Sabbath. At 6 p.m. on a Friday, that's what begins the, the observance of a day of rest and renewal of relationship with God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. By contrast, we may give an hour a week or perhaps once a month in worship. And if we have no other practice of reiterating our faith, such as a pattern of prayer or a meeting with one another to read God's word in a small group setting or some other form of spiritual practice to renew our covenant with God, then we run the risk of relegating our faith to the periphery and making it equal with everything else and of little value no longer holding the place of prominence and importance of defining our relationships and how we behave and who matters to us this reciting of 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 our relationship with god we do that in the whenever we recite the lord's prayer together um Whenever we we join voices, we're also saying we we have this common goal, this common uh, relationship with God that we share, which then binds us to one another. But it has to be much more than that. Just as the Shema was only the, the opening of Israel's recital, so the Lord's prayer for us becomes just the opening. And similar, this meal is just... A reminder, a, a way in which we, we enter in into that relationship. But from that point on, we continue to practice it. We make it part of our daily life. We recite not only the covenant's content, but we learn the rhythm of living that way. So to you who are gathered here today, I invite you to this table as a reminder of our calling to receive what the Lord has for us, to come to either the right or to the right or to the left and take a piece of the bread and dip it in, knowing that it represents God giving his life for us, that we might have life in him. Would those who are serving please come? and the glory forever amen our offering follows that prayer because we say god will provide for our needs and our giving of our offerings is testimony and affirmation of that fact let us then give generously knowing that god has provided and will continue to do so with the ushers please come Thank you. worship if you wish to pray with someone. Jim from our worship prayer team is here to meet and pray with you. As you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide and keep you till we gather again in his name. Amen.